This episode of 1v1, the creator interview series, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support this show and the Boss Rush Media family of podcasts, head over to patreon.com slash bossrushmedia or search for us on the Patreon app on your smart device. Thanks for helping us build something better. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 1v1 podcast with Boss Rush Media. I'm your host, Celeste Roberts. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Linda Watson Guillory, an electrical engineer at Texas Instruments by day and a vintage game collector by night, or pretty much any time, I guess, not only at night. (laughs) (laughs) She is also in Guinness World Records 2022 for largest collection of LCD gaming systems, At the time of this recording, I have 1,599 game systems like that and largest collection of playable gaming systems. And at the time of this recording, 2,443. Is that, am I off, Linda? Did I get those right? You're a little bit off. So those were my numbers in 2019. Right now I have over 3,000 total. uh, Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh, because I I was doing research and I was looking at some different articles and I figured I'm like, I'm going to be way outdated by the time we talk because I feel like she's going to have way more than that. That's what I had when I uh, set the Guinness World Record. So you weren't too far off, but I have a few more now. Thank you so much for making time. I I read about you in a Kotaku article about a a year or two ago, and I thought, this is is amazing. I don't know people who collect on on your scale, and I watched some interviews with you, and you just look so excited to talk about the games. (laughs) I'm always excited to talk about games. Well, well, why don't you tell listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are and, and what got you into gaming, any other hobbies? Sure. So my name is Linda Watson Guillory. I am, what am I? I'm 52 years old or something like that now, and maybe 53. And I just started gaming when I was young. When I was a child, I used to play board games with my sisters and brothers. And uh, once video games arrived, we all started playing those together again. And I just love playing games. And when I started playing games, um, we didn't usually have the money to buy the newest game. So we bought our games at the Goodwills, the Salvation Army, secondhand stores. And a lot of times they came broken. So my dad, uh, he was kind of like a jack of all trades. He would help me fix them and just really taught me how to take things apart, look at it, and see if I could fix it. Um, So after I grew up, I started looking at games again. I was like, wow, I wonder if I can fix some of those. But that's a different story. That's a longer (laughs) story. Not for the intro. Let Let me really tell you how I got into it. But that's basically who I am. I'm a person who collects games, and I'll go... Uh, to different countries to pick them up. I've traveled to Japan. Uh, I found games in Hong Kong, the Philippines, Taiwan. Uh, I'll go anywhere looking for games. 
Wow. So I have to ask like the shipping logistics of that. Do you pack an extra empty suitcase to bring with you or do you have to? Absolutely. I uh, I pack an empty suitcase and also I pack like a, a backpack. So while I'm out going to markets, I just throw it in the backpack, you know, when I'm moving. Yeah, that makes it much easier. You have to plan for these things. Oh my gosh. So do you take time to do anything um, outside of that? Or, or like, you're like, I'm on a mission. I am hitting up every store that I can. I wish I could say I did a lot outside of that. But to be perfectly honest, when I'm there, uh, it, de- it depends. So it depends. A lot of times I'm going for work for like Texas Instruments. So if I'm working during the day, you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm working. But on the weekends, you know, I'm usually looking for get games or maybe I would go to a jade market or something like that. But I would say 90% of my time is looking for games. That's fun, though. That's it's fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the games and systems you found overseas? Um, let's see. Um, overseas, I find a lot of, um, let's see, Bandai games. Those are mostly in Japan. Let's see. What else? Epic. I find a lot of those games. And uh, I guess they're they're brands that you wouldn't know, but they're all basically types of uh, Pac-Man games Mm. or Dig Dug or something like that. So. So before you go on the trip, do you look up different stores and see what games they have available? Or do you go in completely open to exploring? I would go talk to my coworkers and my coworkers would say, Linda, I was in this town and I saw uh, a store with games here and they would just like draw handwritten maps for me. And I jump on the Tokyo rail and I go looking for the games, you know? Um, But eventually I did get to the point where I found like stores like Mandrake in other stores and I will could look them up online but when I first started there was nothing online to look <laughs> up it was just going out looking for them if you want to be a patreon producer head on over to patreon patreon.com slash media and find out which tier is right for you our patreon producers at the five dollar tier or higher for this month are Adriel Munger Austin Campbell Celeste Roberts Christian S Sana Dierig Francisco Santillan, and Rebecca Jewell. Thank you for your continued support. So what is the largest system that you found? Because again, like with the logistics, I'm thinking, okay, there's, I don't know how she would bring like an arcade cabinet home. (laughs) Right. So the largest system I found overseas was a virtual boy at a uh, flea market. And I I wasn't even going to the flea market. I was walking to another store and I happened to walk by a flea market. I was like, well, let me just look in there. Here, it was like in a parking lot and these people, they were selling clothes and lamps and all vases. And, and I found a virtual boy and I found another small handheld game. I was like, okay, you can find them anywhere here. Wow, that is, that is so lucky. And you're making me like 
want to hit myself because I, I lived in Japan in 2012 and I, I taught English over there and I went to the, a lot of those secondhand stores and I, there was a super Famicom and uh, it, it's uh, still there. It did not come home with me. Mm-hmm. I know. And now you're probably like, Celeste, I could have picked it up no. for you. <laughs> I kicked myself. I remember uh, all the stores would have like the older Nintendo games and Super Nintendos. Um, like the cartridges for one yen or five, no, I think a hundred yen. And they were all sitting out in a barrel in front. And I was like, who's going to pick through those? Who wants all those things? I didn't collect, um, like the cartridges, you know, especially the foreign cartridges at the time. So I was like, now, why weren't you collecting those? They were so cheap and you could have got them all. I know. Just like. Like a fill up your bag and bring it to the register. <laughs> right. There's so many things I, I I just look at that I was I was like, oh, I don't want to carry that back. I remember there were these little Nintendo um, uh, game holders, and they were five dollars a piece. And I was like, ah, some little five dollar thing. I didn't I didn't get them. Now I see the, then I came back and I saw them online and they were going for like $99. And I was like, I could have got them and sold them. And now I'll see them every now and then and they'll be like $400. And I was like, why, why? Oh my God. Just didn't want to carry it because they, they were a nice little size. You know, I was like, Ugh, I don't want to put that in my suitcase. It'll take up too much room. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That reminds me of um, the Mario Dance Dance Revolution for GameCube. My my mm-hmm. sisters and I received that for Christmas the year it came out, and I understand it's pretty rare now. Probably, yeah. It's like you don't realize the treasures you have until many, many years later. I, right. I think now people start to realize it because they can go back and look at like the original Nintendo and the Super Nintendo and the fact that people want them. But back then when we were, we had them, no one wanted them or, you know, it was like you threw it away and you got the new system. And so, yeah, we were silly. I know. (laughs) But that just makes it more rare, you know. Exactly. And it's hard to know, like, I can't predict 10, 20 years from now what I'm going to be looking for or having a use for. Right. I saw this TV show one time and the guy said, whatever you love, just keep it, you know? And yeah. I, I kind of think of it that way. I was like, what did I love as a kid? And, you know, what would I've kept if I could have? Because I had a nice size collection up until uh, 1996 where my mom's house burned down. I had a probably, I don't know, somewhere between... 30 to 60 systems, I would say. I definitely had like 75 Nintendo games and uh, just gone. And um, But I think I've replaced it with a few. <laughs> I think I've replaced them all now. That's heartbreaking. I'm so sorry that happened. Uh, it happens, but yeah, thank you. No, it's um, it wasn't a fire, but like the the toilet in my parents master bathroom it was clean water but like the hose in the back while no one was home leaked Mm -hmm. thankfully it was clean water but we had shag carpeting and it got into the bedrooms and my nintendo power magazines were on my bedroom Uh, floor so all my nintendo power magazines oh my yes so I, i i know what you're talking about like 
like I have moments where like even my old 17 magazines, I'd love to pull it up and be like, this is how I was dressing in sixth grade. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I had the Nintendo power magazines too. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. Oh gosh. What? So when you were growing up and and you said y'all would go and get some uh, secondhand systems, were there particular games or genres that you were drawn to over others or you were just open to anything? I was open to anything, but when I first started playing games, it was always the handheld game. So that's why I call that my first love. You know, uh, I, I remember getting the con- red conic uh, basketball game. And then I remember like a Toytronic uh, football game. They're like the knockoffs of the Mattel football or Mattel <laughs> basketball games, you know, but to me, they were like gold, right? Mm-hmm. And on my 13th birthday, I remember I got a Coleco Pac-Man. And I love that thing. Yes. Oh, that was the best thing ever. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So is that what inspired you to pursue electrical engineering as your career? That's absolutely, yes. So when I was a kid, taking the games apart... I just knew I wanted to do that. You know, I thought, I was like, I want to make games. You know, I I didn't know the term electrical engineering, but I knew that it was something I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to play with games, take them apart, build games, all of that. And so definitely it's uh, why I went into electrical engineering. I actually started off doing like the computer, enge- computer science engineering, um, but it Back then, it was freezing in those labs, and I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I'm just going to have to switch to electrical engineering. I was in there, like, uh, writing programs, and I would have my gloves on typing. It was crazy. Uh, Those rooms were freezing back then, so um, I had to change majors. I was like, yeah, definitely electrical engineering. Oh, gosh. So, like, were they the rooms with the huge servers? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. Wow. But the computer rooms, even when you were working on a regular computer, the computer rooms were freezing. They had to keep them cold. I say, I tell everyone, I was like, man, if I could have worked on a laptop from my bedroom, I was like, I would be designing software today. If only you had known. (laughs) Gosh, now now you're unlocking memories for me from elementary um, computer class times i'm like oh those rooms were cold <laughs> it's all coming back to me. <laughs> they were freezing i couldn't take it um but i have no regrets i absolutely love electrical engineering and uh what it's allowed me to do with my life so definitely so i'm i'm curious I, you know i think um a lot of listeners and and myself we've heard of electrical engineering but how would you explain what that field is especially if someone is also oh. interested in video games and they're like oh wait i can do something besides software oh boy so i don't if it's video game related it's a little hard for me to uh explain but the best way i i tell people I was part of the audio-visual team, uh, digital audio and uh, video, DAV, at work. And I remember being in the lab playing, um, I don't know if I can say the name. Uh, So 
Texas Instruments had chips in a special system. And I remember being in the lab trying to make sure that the audio and the visual on that gaming system worked. There were no glitches. And then I remember going home and watching the news and there was like a line of like 50 people waiting for this gaming system. And I was laughing because I was like, man, I see it before everybody else sees it. You know, they're sitting in line waiting for it. And here I have, I've been playing it for the last two weeks. Um, so I like that part about it. And I also remember one of my, the managers uh, we got this huge, I think it was like a 60-inch TV. Now, this is back when 40 inches was common. So it was 60-inch TV, and he said, yeah, I don't know. This one might have a, a, a glitch in it, so I better take it home and watch it for a few hours. So they would take the TVs home, put it in their living room, and watch it to see if there were any uh, little glitches in the TV. And I was like, yeah, this is a good job, <laughs> you know. So, I was like, but I wish I was the manager. <laughs> so I, I always think there's perks to the job, um, but I also know engineers who write the code um, for games. So, yeah, there's, that's awesome. And thank you for explaining that because there are so many types of engineering, right? And I, so do you have, have you had to deal with electricity like on a, a dangerous level and you've had to wear like protective gear? No. Yes. No, not really. So I don't think of it as a dangerous level. We all have training. Uh, we have gear where, um, oh, it's been years now, but we would um, have ESD straps. So we would strap ourselves in. So, you know, if there's no shocks and stuff like that. But everyone has training for that, and we usually don't have to work with the high voltage stuff. Okay, not a, not our, not our type of engineering. We're usually working with um, more design and tests. So I do product engineering and tests. Is what I I was doing at Texas Instruments. Right now, I'm working on the strategy team. Wow. Okay. So if if you have to rewire your house, would you do it, or would you have to hire? Oh, I would definitely hire someone else. <laughs> but I would supervise them. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Like, hey, watch yeah. what you're doing. This is my house. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's actually pretty scary, you know, but uh, when you think about it, because uh, electrician is different from electrical engineer, and uh, I don't want to miss something very basic. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. And it sounds like you're someone who likes to fix things. Hey, there is there a problem? Can I? How, what can I do to repair this? Root cause analysis. I just love anything where if I can find the root cause of it, um, it. I think I've always enjoyed that, and it doesn't matter if it's with my hands or if it's like looking through spreadsheets and or programs or anything that allows me to kind of get down to the root cause. I just love doing it. Is there a particular game or, or anything that you've repaired that it was just extra rewarding? Maybe it had been particularly challenging. And you're oh like, my goodness! Your eureka moment. Uh, I've repaired so many. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's any special one. I'm actually working on one now that I just started, but so I haven't fixed it yet. Um, 
Mm. I think when I was younger, there was definitely something. There's one up right now. It's like partially working. So I can't, you know, I can't claim victory yet. <laughs> it's really, uh, it's really silly because I, um, I found a broken um, resistor in it. So it's like, it was just broken off, but it was bent so that I didn't see it for the longest time. And I kept going, I was like, gosh, it really seems like this isn't working. And then I just touched it and I noticed there was a break in it. I was like, oh my goodness, my eyes aren't what they used to be, but I was so happy to find that. I was like, there's something going on right here. Uh, So now that that's found out, I can, um, I'm just going to replace the resistor and I'm hoping everything else in the game works. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you also look to collect newer systems as well? Like, you know, uh, Switches and Xbox Series S and X? So I've had both uh, PlayStation and um, Xbox. But I'll tell you what happened. I started taking vacation days to play them. I would just like stay home. <laughs> And I remember growing up, my mom said, anything, habit or hobby that gets between you and making money, you and your job, is not a habit or hobby you want. And so I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) So I packed it away um, and I, I just like forced myself not to play it anymore and eventually like one of my nephews came and he was like hey let's play playstation and i was like i can't do it he was like what i was like here you take it and i gave it to him and um he was like oh my god this is the original playstation one he was like oh my god this is a collector's item and i was like really (laughs) i was like it broke my heart to give it to him but i just I needed to get it out of there, you know? So, um, yeah. And then the Xbox, I tried again. I was like, okay, I'm better. I can do this. No, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, and I gave it away. But, you know, someone asked me, they were like, what game were you so, you know, psyched about? I was like, I don't know. And that's <laughs> why I know it was the right decision. I can't even remember what it was I was playing. But I tell you, I'm like super competitive. And anytime I start playing like a basketball or a football game and I'm playing against a friend, oh man, I just hate losing. So I'll play, <laughs> practice, I'll learn moves, you know, just so I can beat them. And I don't know what it was, but I think the last one was like Madden football or something, okay. that, that Xbox. I was just like, yeah, it has to go. I'm tired of getting beat. You know, so, yeah. So do you, so are would you say like you're not, I don't know if keeping up with is the right term, but like, are you maybe a little bit less interested or less inclined oh, for I'm the sorry. modern I systems? Got, I got sidetracked. No, 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 no. That's, no, I love that story. That's hilarious. I know people who have skipped classes to play games. Yeah. So, um, I, um, I do, I'm sorry. Sorry. I do have like a switch um, and I play games with like my nephew when he visits, but modern systems, unless they're like Zelda uh, games, gaming systems, 
I typically don't buy. Anything that's Zelda related, I have to buy. And oh. well, girl, after my own heart. <laughs> I love Zelda. I love Link. I have a, like my own little corner with everything Zelda and Link. And um, but my sister, who's like an early adopter of all uh, video games, she basically shamed me into buying more Zelda games. She just she came to visit and she was just like, Linda, where's all your Zelda games? And I was like, oh, I have this and I have this. And she was like, where's the rest of them? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, I have more Zelda games than you. What are, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, my goodness, I have to get more Zelda games. So I bought more Zelda games, and I showed her a picture. I was like, I have more than you now, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. Would, it's, would you have a favorite Zelda game at this at this time? Or are you like... I have to go with the original, the original Ooh. Zelda. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if they're ever going to do a remake of that one, like they did with Link's Awakening. <sighs> Mm, I don't know. I I just love the original, but I will uh, I'll play the others. But I just remember that original where I I feel like I could still go to that board and find like most of the dungeons. I'm like, okay, you turn here, you turn there. You know, it's like I feel like it's right still in my mind. I love that yeah. game. Yeah, you never forget your first games like that. It's like. I can't remember sometimes what someone told me yesterday, but I can remember where to find the warp whistles in Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> yeah. And I played that with my sister. She brought the, um, our original Nintendo home from college one weekend. And I and she was like, look at this. And I was like, what? What is this? And it I think it had like Super Mario Brothers. And we played it the whole weekend, you know, while oh. she was visiting. And then when the Link and all and Zelda came out, I was like, oh, my goodness. It was just amazing. Um, there was this store uh, that allowed you to play the games and then take them back. And so we just tried to solve as many as we could and then return it. Uh, the store went out of business. I was oh. like. Probably because of its return policy. I love that store. I bought all my games there. Hills Brothers, yeah. Hills Brothers. Was that a chain it was, or local? It was a chain. It was uh, Hills. Yeah, I think it was Hills or Hills Brothers. It was, um, I know they had it in Monroe and they had it in Toledo. Really? In Louisiana? Yeah. Uh, no, Toledo, Ohio. Monroe, Ohio. Michigan. Yeah. Oh, wow. Are, so are you from Texas originally? Or you're... I am not. I am from Michigan originally. Go oh, Blue. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I, I follow you on Instagram and I, I think I've seen you post that you're a big uh, Wolverines fan. I am. I actually went to both Michigan and Michigan State. I just went to Michigan first. So I love them. I love Michigan State too. Um, but, you know, um, just love University of Michigan. Yeah. I have a I have a really good friend who loves them, and he said he said if someone schedules a wedding on a day that they're playing, he's really upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I um I go back to visit family, and I make sure I never fly on the weekend that they're playing a home game because it's just ridiculous how many people are on Ooh. those flights. 
uh, it's just so crowded. And even from Texas, there'll be like a whole crew of Michigan people and they're so rowdy and they're singing the songs. And at first it's fun, but then it's just like, wow, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little overwhelming. Oh, so yeah, unless yeah. I absolutely have to, I kind of avoid it. Yeah, they. it's good though. I, you know, you just got to be in the right mood. <laughs> That's do you like funny. to do you like to go to the games sometimes still to this I day? Do. I do. And um for me I want to go to some more basketball games. I have a nephew who's really interested in basketball and he loves University of Michigan. So every now and then I'll try to get tickets and go up there and go to a game with him. That's so much fun. That's so exciting. Yeah. And what about um so are you a Detroit Lions fan? Is it fair to assume that or it is fair to assume, and I'm not going to throw them under the bus because, <laughs> you know, but last year I kind of said, and it's like the first year that they do pretty well, I, I was like, I'm stopping, I, you know, I've given them 25, 30 years of my life rooting for them, I was like, I've taken so much, you know, for them, and I was like, and they never give anything back, and then of course... <laughs> That was last year. It's like the first time I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then everyone was like, this is the year. <laughs> and so now I, I was like, okay, I'll give them a chance again. Uh, I have all my Lions jerseys. Yes, I am. Uh, I love the Lions. I can't. Uh, it's hard, though. Sometimes it's hard, <laughs> but I love them. I understand. I'm in Saints territory, so I understand. <laughs> yeah. They they go they come in waves, but I I just think it's it's fun to see other people get so excited. That's that's what makes me happiest. It's just seeing people have fun and gather with friends and family. And uh, Michigan was having a really good um, season uh, last we, year. We had a good season, yes, definitely. I cannot uh, fault them on that. I go blue. <laughs> Wonderful season. Do you follow any other sports like um hockey or tennis or soccer? You, you know, I don't. I wouldn't say I follow them. Uh, I watch hockey during uh, the playoffs. I go to a few hockey games. Um, the University of Michigan ha club here has. Um, they'll go to games and stuff like that. And so every now and then I'll go to games with like other uh, U of M grads. So. Oh yeah. That's it's kind of cool. It is. It is fun. Whenever like the stars play the Red Wings, they'll get tickets and we'll go. You're going to laugh at me, Linda. I, I went to a work trip in Denver and we went to um, Dirk's Bentley's bar or something. And the uh, Avalanche had won uh -huh. the, the Stanley Cup. And apparently the Stanley Cup was in that bar along with some players and the keeper of the cup. And I, I didn't know anything about it until wow. one of my one of my coworkers is obsessed with hockey. And he was like, you got to go get a picture with the Stanley Cup. And I, I took a picture of it to my boyfriend. I was like, "Is I think this is significant. And he texted me back in all caps, get a picture with the Stanley Cup. <laughs>
snap pictures of myself and um my, my coworker shook hands with the keeper of the cup and I was like wow. okay, I, I guess this guy is I had no idea who he was but I was like okay he must be important so I got a picture <laughs> I can't blame you you did what that's absolutely the right thing to do oh my god that's yeah. amazing yeah and I was like okay I was like I'm so tired it's 11 o'clock at night but they want to go out I just want to go back to my hotel but I guess I'll go with them so sometimes it pays to go out of your comfort zone. yeah that's awesome that is so awesome is there a yeah. particular sporting event you'd like to attend one day like either the Olympics or the Super Bowl or Wimbledon or any mm. big thing no matter who's playing I definitely want to go to Olympics one year. Yeah, I um, probably when it comes back to the U.S., but I've even looked at them in other uh, countries. I I want to do the Olympics. That is on my bucket list for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Wimbledon, not so much. Um, what else? I've gone to the All-Star Game. That was really nice. Oh, nice. So, yeah. See, hmm. Super Bowl. A lot of those things I really like watching from home. Even mm-hmm. you know, I'll go to the Dallas Detroit games when they're here. But honestly, if I was at home, I can do the replays. I can stop it and go. My my beer is a lot cheaper. But I'm just. It's it's nice to go there and have fun when it's a group of you, but. I can also watch that from home and be fine. Uh, yes, I don't have to deal with traffic. I can, my own uh, bathroom, uh, not a bunch of drunk people. Not waiting in line for the bathroom while you do yes. the bathroom dance, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I, which, so would you want to do Summer Olympics, winter, either one? Uh, summer Olympics. Eh, definitely summer. Really? Which, which events do you enjoy watching? Oh, I love the track and field. Yeah. I love the gymnastics. Do you, I I cannot do gymnastics. Were you, were you a gymnastics person? No, no, no. Only my goddaughter was in gymnastics. And so I've gone to hundreds of gymnastics meets, uh, watching her. So, uh, and then she was on the gymnastics team in Arkansas, but now okay. she's retired. She was injured, so she retired. But um, oh, sorry uh, to hear that. I know. She's the sweetest girl ever. Hello, Carissa. <laughs> so, shout out. Um, but yeah, she is so sweet and brilliant. 4.0, Arkansas. Get, uh, she's getting ready to graduate. Um, so congratulations yeah. to her. That's so exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I have all these pictures of her where she dedicated her meats to me and stuff like that. I know. know. It's so cute. And me and her little, she has her little little hair up and ponytails and all that stuff. And it's just too cute. So, yeah, I'm a big gymnastics fan for sure. We uh, recently started watching the LSU gymnastics team. We went to watch Mm. one of their meets in uh, January and it's amazing to watch them on TV, but to see the skill and the things they can do in person, I'm just like, I can't, I better not stand up the wrong way. I can injure myself. Oh my goodness. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely. They are built different for sure. And, when and you- so strong. Yes. I mean, yes. Ridiculous how strong they are. Yeah. And when you said track and field, I was thinking of how I used to play the game by Konami. 
on um, the, su- the, the not super the regular Nintendo. Oh yeah. <laughs> mhm. Me too. I love that game, Track and Field. Then they came out with the Track and Field too. Mm-hmm. I actually have a handheld version of that game, which is a lot harder to play. Uh, actually, oh. I have like three handheld versions of that game. So yeah. I didn't know they made a handheld version of that. That's what everyone says, but they did. <laughs> So so when you're, okay, interested in a game, like, do you have a a process? So like, do you wake up in the morning and you think, okay, let me go and research these different game titles? Or do you just, hey, this looks cool. This looks like something I don't have. Like, do you, do you categorize and have a list of everything that you own, like archiving it? So yes, I definitely have a list of everything I own. I have a list of everything I've seen where like other people have created archive and I've just like added on to it. Mm-hmm. And then like if I'm out there looking and I see something, I'll just put it in my want list. So I actually have a want list on YouTube, but to be perfectly honest, I don't talk about everything I want. I want a ton of games, but what happens when you start talking about your want list is people say, oh, this must be a really good game because she doesn't even have it and she has oh. so many. So they'll go okay. look for it and find it and they're just like, hey, I'll sell it to you for $10,000. I'm like, yeah, you bought it for seventy. You know? Oh my gosh. You know, I was like, I don't, I, no, I guess I don't want it anymore. But um, so that type of, no, I, I'm I'm exaggerating. It was like two thousand dollars, but still, uh, when still, you buy it for a- seventy and want two thousand for it because you know I want it, I don't want it any longer. So the only thing I put on my want list are the ones I don't think I'll ever find otherwise. So I have things I'm like looking for. I think I'll find them, and I was like, yeah, I'll just keep that to myself that I'm looking for those. And then there's the things that I don't think I'll ever find. But if someone else found them and they wanted to sell it to me, I would be willing to pay for those. So that's what I put on my want list. And I have that on YouTube. But yeah, there's a long want list. I can imagine. Okay. Now, if you're not comfortable answering this, Linda, you don't have to. But what is the most you have ever paid for a system or a game? Um. I think the most I've ever paid is probably about $3,000. But I will tell you, I have bid like $10,000 and lost my bid. (laughs) Yeah, I really wanted that. (laughs) That's disappointing. It was very disappointing. Um, I've had a couple like that. But, you know. It's okay. I always say it wasn't meant to be. If I, I lose the bid, I, it wasn't meant to be. So what um, what is it about collecting that brings you so much joy? Is it because you, you remember repairing games with your dad? Or is it just like the thrill of the hunt, um, playing the games? I think it's all of that for me. So definitely when I first started collecting, and um, let me go back to that. I, I kind of hinted at it. It was back in 2003, my brother came to visit me and he was like, oh, whatever happened to your Coleco Pac-Man? And so I started telling him how it burned up in the fire at mom's house. And then it hit me that I could probably find one online. 
And I went online and I was able to find it. And then I found the whole Coleco series. And I was like, hey, I can afford these now. So I bought the whole series. And that's pretty much how I started. I was like, now what else can I buy? You know, and put in the, because I, I put them in this curio and it was just like empty. And I was like, let me mm-hmm. buy a couple other things that bring back memories. And before I knew it, I had like two curios full and people were telling me like my friend Carter came over, he collects the full size arcade. And he was just like, Oh, you're a collector. And I was like, No, I'm not a collector. And he was like, No, you're a collector. I was like, No, I'm not. And he was like, Well, you have that and you have that and you have that you're a collector. And once I realized I was a collector, I was like, Okay, well, I'm gonna collect. And but when I started collecting, I bought only broken (laughs) games because I wanted to try to fix them. Because I realized part of the thrill was seeing if I could actually fix these still. So then I bought the broken ones. And after a while, I was like, okay, Linda, you don't have enough time to fix all of these. So I started buying uh, games that weren't broken. And I just love it. But right now, for me, it's the fact that there's so many games out there that we don't know exist. The records have been lost, you know, the people who designed them are gone, you know, and it's like whatever's designed now, there's records. People know about them. But what was designed in the late 70s and the 80s, we are still finding these games and saying, oh, my God, there's another in the series. I didn't even know that existed. That happens. I swear it happens every year. There's a game that no one knew existed that we find. And so that's just so exciting to me. So where do you keep up with all of this? Just like just scanning articles or forums? I try to do forums with other collectors. Um, I'm just looking at different online sites, uh, just anywhere and everywhere, just trying to find information. And I asked people, I was like, hey, if you have one of these in this series, let me know, because this is what I have. I think the more that I share information, the more information I get. Because when I first started, oh my God, it was so hard. It was like, there was a close knit group of people I was like, oh, wow, you have that game up for sale. I was like, I love to buy it. And they say, yeah, I kind of decided I'm not going to sell it. Or I'm I'm waiting for this friend who's gathering the money because I told him I'd sell it to them. I was like, so I have the money, but you don't want to sell me the game you have for sale. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Okay. So it's like now that I've, I think I've been in the community since like 2003. Um, now I think I've built like more contacts, you know, to buy games from and, you know, trade games with. I didn't even think about the kind of click ishness. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, what is this, high school? <laughs> it was very clickish, very clickish. Uh, I just had so many uh, instances where people would tell me they couldn't sell it to me um, because 
they were holding it for a friend. I was like, no, oh. but it's for sale. It's on your <laughs> sale page, you know? Like, why would you just give it to your friend? <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Always. Oh. I mean, now, after working with people for several years, I kind of understand it because, like, someone will send me a message and they were like, Linda, do you have that uh, extra Simon watch? And I'm like, yeah, as soon as I find it, I'll uh, send you a message and I'll I'll sell it to you, you know. And so and other people send me messages on other games and they'll ask me, hey, if you have this, can you hold it for me? Let me know because it's all boxed away somewhere. I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, so it kind of makes sense to me now <laughs> as it happens to me. But uh, then especially coming in as a new collector, um, it didn't make much sense. So you do buy extra copies of the same thing sometimes? Oh, so I am always looking to improve my copy. So if I have a, I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, an 8 out of 10, I'm looking for a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 yeah. type box. So, yeah, I definitely upgrade all the time. And if I especially like a game and I know I'm going to play it a lot, then I may buy two or three copies because they they break. <laughs> and I, I always want to have a working copy. But I always oh. also want to play these. <laughs> yeah, I, I was watching one of your interviews, one of your video interviews, and you were actually um, playing around with some of the systems and the games. And that's something that I really admire. A lot of people, especially Barbie collectors and toy mm -hmm. collectors, they won't take it out of the box. So it's not even serving its purpose, but it looks like you're you're of a different mindset. I want to use what I'm collecting. Uh, it was made to be played. And I, I just think like if you bring someone in and you show them all of this and then say, oh, by the way, you can't don't touch anything. I'm like, are you crazy? Honestly, I, I find it hard to get people to play. They're like, no, I don't want to break your stuff. I'm like, it was made to be played. It's okay. I wouldn't offer you something to play unless I wanted you to play it. You know, let's have fun with it. Yeah. That's, that's what games are meant to be played. And, and I've actually been to people's houses where I couldn't even play with their doll houses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, there are certain games that are sealed in the box and I'm not going to open them now, but for the majority of the games, I have a duplicate and you can play it. <laughs> That's cool. So um, what is your collection like as far as storage? I mean, I can see because I'm, I'm talking with you. And if, if your listeners, if you're watching the video, you can see some of Linda's games in the background. But do you have um, like, do you go by al alphabetical order or system or? I switch it up. Okay. So, yeah. Sometimes I do it alphabetical order. Uh, by the manufacturers other times I'll do it by like I'll have a sports area I'll have a space area um, I'll have a um, oh gosh uh, a driving area like driving games so but it depends right now it's mostly manufacturers and then it's like um, then it's that a certain type of game. So like over there is the sports area. Over here is my Mattel games. Uh, then behind me are the Bambino. So right now it's alphabetical order starting on that end, coming this way around. Wow. 
And it's a huge, it's like a whole room dedicated to them, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It needs a whole, it it needs a second room dedicated to it. I can't even, um, I think I have about, I don't know, maybe it's it's less than 2,000 on display. But it's, uh, yeah, most of them are, I, I can't even fit into this room. And this is a nice size room, but I'll get there. Wow. So in your house, do you have them in your like living room, in your bedroom, or is they have a dedicated space? Oh, uh, this is the collection room. It, it definitely has a uh, its own space. In fact, uh, when I was searching for homes, it was based on what the collection room would look like, the size of the collection room and how much we could put out. So that was wow. like the determining factor. Every time I look for a new home, <laughs> That's I the love that. <laughs> yeah. You have to. It's kind of like how some people, okay, I want my my woodworking shop or whatever, exactly. my pool house. Exactly. You have to plan for it. Yes. So, okay, so what your claim to fame and how I found out about you is the Guinness World Records mm-hmm. achievement. So I don't even know where to begin with that process. Like how... Did you think to yourself, okay, I want to see if I'm eligible for some kind of world record or did someone inspire you to do that? So it's a little bit of both. (laughs) When I was a kid, I always wanted a Guinness World Record and my sister and I would, uh, we would read the books when we were young and we would try to beat the records. Like we did the pogo stick. We did jump <laughs> rope. We were trying to ride with no hands. That competitive and streak. <laughs> we never realized we were going up against adults, right? We we're just kids. <laughs> and we're like, wow, these people, these kids must be really good, right? Um, but um, we never did. We, we never broke a record <laughs> as kids. Um, and then I talk about vintage handheld games all the time at work. And someone asked me, they were like, well, do you have the record? And I was like, well, no, I don't have the record, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right up there. And they were like, why don't you have the record? My boss. And I was like, well, you know, I was really thinking about getting the record. And um, I said, but I never had enough time or you know help to get it he was like you should do it I'll help you so what he didn't know was like two years prior I had applied for the record uh at the time the record was like 541 or something like that and I was like hmm I got way more than that so I applied for the record and then I went about the process of getting the record but it took forever. So now it's like two years down the road. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I got to do this. And just the way that they wanted everything documented, I needed, I needed a better system. My system was horrible. In fact, I ended up probably boxing up and documenting everything. And, and then halfway through, I was like, this is horrible. So I unboxed everything and started over again. It took me three years. Long story short, it took me three years to get the record. Three wow. years. Yeah. Three years. So three how year process for me? Wow. Okay. So 
when did you have to apply? Is there a fee for that? Okay, so there is you have to apply. Um the fee, I don't remember there being a fee to apply. If it was, it was something really cheap, you know, like less than a hundred bucks. But if you want them, if you want a official agent, I forget the name. I call them official counter, but there's a special name for it. Adjunctator or something. Um, it's like $12,000 to come. $12,000. Right. But see, that's the one who wants all the fanfare and stuff. I was like, no, I'm good. I can find someone who can count up to 3000 or whatever, and we can do this. So what I ended up having to do, I sent out a message to like uh, TI Classifieds and TI Parent Network, and I was like, hey, I need people to help me count and help me go through this process. And I told them all the jobs I needed done. And I just got volunteers from Texas Instruments. Oh my God. I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So my boss also volunteered, but he backed out at the last minute, said he had a wedding to go to. (laughs) But we pushed forward. And um, so I just got volunteers from Texas Instruments Uh, Then you have to publicize it. So I sent out some notices that I was going to do it. And it has to occur in a public location. So I rented a a big room at a restaurant in Garland, Texas. And rented a U-Haul. Packed up everything. Moved it over there. Spread it out on tables. um, Brought in everybody. And you have to videotape it from start to finish. The whole process, you know. It was uh, it was a good day. <laughs> it was a good day. So it yeah. took one day to count everything. It, um, well, we had to set it up first, and then we had to count it, and then we had to take it all down. So, and we were able to do that all in one day. And I had about ten volunteers, so it was good. It it worked out. Wow. Okay. So you had to take. Oh my gosh! I thought everybody was able to like go into your room but no you had to oh my god you had to... i think officially you can but you have to open it to the public and we didn't want to open the house up to the public we were like who, who we don't know who's coming in you know no that's so, weird so rather than right <laughs> otherwise you could play for the specialist to come and twelve thousand dollars and i was like I don't have $12,000 and I don't have a sponsor so uh, to pay that $12,000. So I'm not doing that. Wow. So. so do you have to put like something in the newspaper or a public notice? Hey, come, come check out my collection. I'm, they, don't, um, they, they don't tell you how to publicize it, but you have to publicize it. And honestly, I can't even remember what I did. I think I, I did it on YouTube and like some other platforms. I made it easy. Yeah. I I put it in like the TI classifieds and stuff like that, but I was not trying to pay any more money than I had to. 
So if so, let's say someone in my neighborhood is I have the world's largest collection of teacups, and they advertise it wherever that space is. People, so as they're counting it, if they choose to go the route that you did, the public can go and just check it out as they do that. Yeah, it was and it was kind of fun because since we were in a restaurant, some of the people from the restaurant came in, and I mean. People, you know, engineers or people who knew about the collection, you know, to see their, you know, their, uh, their surprise and everything is one thing, but to just see someone who's not expecting this at all. And they're like, oh my God, oh my God. And, you know, they were all shocked. Uh, even like the restaurant owner, he came, he had someone come in and they did a tape and they put it out on their uh, Facebook too. And he was like, it's a big day for Senior Chichotes. You know? And I was like, yeah, Senior Chichotes. You know, I was just so happy, you know. Is your is your face like on a plaque over there? Like, <laughs> Oh man, it should have been. I commemorating. <laughs> had he not sold that place during COVID times, I think it would have been. Oh, I love oh, that place man. too. It was like uh, one of our favorite places. Oh so. man, that would have been yeah. awesome to have a plaque with your your picture. I, I found out he was gone when I took like an extra set of the Guinness World Record plaques to him. So I went in there. I was like, "Hey, where's?" And then you know, like some new guy comes in. And I'm like, "Hey, where's Senor Chichote?" He was like, "Yeah, he's not here." Did you want something? I was like, yeah, I want. <laughs> oh, gosh, I've forgotten his name now. I was like, yeah, I want to speak to the owner. He was like, I'm the new owner. I was like, what? No. I'm taking my plaques and going home. You weren't even here when we did it. <laughs> That's yeah. Not- oh. So I have an extra set of plaques. <laughs> so. So the people who were helping you, did y'all have like notebooks and pieces of paper just documenting everything and someone is filming? Oh, yeah. So yeah, we have, you have to have like uh, a stationary camera that can see the whole room, I guess. So they, you know, they can, you can see there's no shenanigans going on and the, we just set it up on, I had like um, tables and then I had like 20 uh, bookshelves. And we just set all the games up and then we started like saying numbering them just because it was just, you know, you, you thought you counted that table and then it, it, we did like the pre-counts, you know, uh, and we started saying, okay, we think there's 120 on this table, but then we would find out like, oh, this is a LCD that should be on the LCD table because we're doing two records at a time. And so we have to split it up LCD games and everything else. And so then I was like, Oh wait, I'm only getting 119. And they're like, Oh, we took that and we didn't adjust the count. And so we had to do that a couple of times. And then uh, eventually everything matched. And we put like two counters. I had like six people counting at a, a a team of two. And there was this one guy, oh, David White. He was amazing. He was just like, tuk, 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 tuk. and I was like, what? I mean, he was ama- He was like, yeah, I used to do inventory at my dad's restaurant. He was like, this is so much easier. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you need people who can do inventory. He was like, it would be so easy. Oh my God. He was amazing. So yeah, David saved the day. And then he like gave me some tips if we ever had to do it again. And 
actually, I took like two pages worth of what I would do different down because I was like, if anyone ever comes and beats the record, I'm going to have to do this again. Something tells me my competitive edge will make me do it again. And uh, so I just took uh, tips down that would make it so much simpler. That's that's just incredible. <laughs> I, I I can't even imagine how much time and how stressful it had to be as well. I tell you. So I knew the record that I was trying to beat was uh, 541 or 571, whatever it was. And so I just packed up like 1,500 games and I was like, yeah, that's enough. And like the night before, my sister and one of my friends came in from, my sister came in from Washington, D.C. My friend came in from California to help out. And she was like, uh, what about all these? And I was like, yeah, I'm not taking those. We, we got enough. And she was like, I didn't come all this way to only have 1,500. She was like, you got to do the rest. I was like, what? And so then I had to like catalog and box all of them that night, the rest of them. And, um, oh my God, I was up until 4 a.m. And the counting uh, started at 9. And so it was like at 4 a.m. I was like dragging myself to go to bed. I was so exhausted. And after all of that, when we got back home that day, after setting the record and everything, we found two boxes of games in the garage that they forgot to put on the U-Haul. <laughs> no. no, it was hilarious. I was just like, fine, just take them back upstairs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was just trying to beat the record at that point. <laughs> Now so, I'm just like, I want to crush it. You want, yeah, yeah. You want somebody to try to challenge you and then like, oh, I guess I have an incentive to buy more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I keep saying, I was like, Linda, you're good. You know, just focus on those ones that, um, you know, those really rare ones that you can't find. The other thing I, I, I try to complete series. So if I have like mm. seven out of eight in a series, I just want that eighth one. And then I'll be happy. And that's what I'm focused on, completing some series and a couple rare ones. That's it. That's that's a good point. Yeah, like like a book. Like imagine like a book series and you're missing that one book. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That would be frustrating. It is. I. So after you, okay, you filmed it, everybody counted, and you had to submit it to the Guinness World Records like headquarters? Yes. Okay. And so how long is the waiting period after that, after submittal? Those guys are great. And um, honestly, you can pay for it to be done quickly. I think at that point I was ready to pay. I want to say it was like a three, four week period. If, oh. Yeah. Yeah. But then COVID hit. <laughs> and so everything got delayed and I think it ended up being like, I don't know, 15 weeks, something like that. Still, it's not, honestly, the Guinness World Record people, had I truly listened and paid attention to what they said, it would have been a, such a smooth process. But I tell you, what I read and what they were saying <laughs> weren't the same thing. 
And so, it, you know, but once I understood, um, because they assign you like someone to work with and I would send them questions. I was like, well, what about this? Or what about that? And they would respond. Sometimes they would respond within two days. Other times it was within two weeks, but um, either way, they were excellent. I'm so glad you had that experience. That's yeah. like a once in a lifetime experience <sighs> for people. Yeah, it was amazing. And I couldn't believe that my friend from California came and my sister came from DC and they were like, when else are we going to ever do this again? When, and they, that's what they said. I was like, okay. And my sister said something like really strange and I, it just made my heart swell. She said, um, my friend said, I, she said, Linda, I can't believe you're doing this. This is amazing. And my sister said, I can. She said, I always knew this would happen. I was like, what? How did you know when I didn't know? And she said, she said, I just remember how you were with the games when we were young. She said, I know, always knew something like this would happen. I was Aww. like, oh, that's what I said. I was like, oh, I love you. That's uh, so sweet. Yeah. Like I believe in so you. <laughs> she's so amazing. Such a great big sister. The best. That so. is Oh, that is awesome. I'm glad you, it's really important to have that kind of support system because, um, sometimes, sometimes when you're interested in something that's maybe not as mainstream as what other people pay attention to, they, they don't understand it. And, you know, it's especially like the gaming space. It Um, was so hard for me to start, uh, collecting because I was like, um, I'm spending money on this and I could be spending money somewhere else, helping my family with this or that. But, you know, I talked to my mom and she was like, Linda, if you love it, you know, you're not asking anyone to borrow money to, you know, supporting it. She said, do what you love because you've helped everyone, you know, and and she's like, just do what you love. Other people take trips. You, you know, if this is something you love, then that's okay. It's your money. You worked hard for it. And I mean, that just made me feel like you're right. It's my money. I've worked hard for it. I can do uh, with it what I want. That's, that's a really good message because sometimes I feel guilt when there's something I'm really interested in. It's like, oh, well, this could be going to, I don't, I don't know, save the world or something, but, but I, you can do both or do it in a different way. And you have this one life and it, and look, like I, I get to meet you because of this Guinness World Record that you, the records, I should say, two of them. I mean, that's, and you know, it's very inspiring, especially because growing up, I was one of only a few girls I knew who played get games. Oh, that's and, awesome. You know, and I, no one ever isolated me, but it, I love knowing that there are other ladies out there who appreciate video games. Right. I will tell you one of the things I try to do, I started with uh, take our sons and daughters to work day. And I started talking about video games and how it led me to be electrical engineer. And I, how did I say, I said, make your hobby into a career. It's kind of what I used to say. And then um, I have a cousin who's a school teacher and he started having me speak at uh, like career day and I absolutely love it. And the kids, when I tell them that I became an electrical engineer because I like video games and I show them the games and I show them like some of the little uh, changes I would make to the games when I was younger and stuff like that, 
because I, I try to tell people, I was like, being an engineer doesn't mean you have to invent something. You can just improve something. And if you, you know, take something that you like and you're like, man, this would be great only if it had this. I was like, that's an engineer thought right there. I mean, it's not that hard. You know, everyone, every day you're like, man, this would be so good if you could do this, you know? And so I, I love talking to kids about it. And for me, that's something I really want to do in the future. I have a friend, uh, she wants to start a school. And I told her, I said, well, I'll teach uh, electronics course at your school. And next thing you know, she was like, yeah, Linda, when we get our school, I was like, our school? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was like, that'll be awesome. She's like, we'll, we'll start with like a teaching institute or something. And she's like, or tutoring. But she said, then we'll, we're going to have a school. I said, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> that is awesome. Is that part of your goal? It is. It is. It's something I would love. I, as I say, I love teaching kids about STEM. And I just remember like when my dad taught me how to solder, I want to create like gaming systems, like start to finish where just teaching them like every class you build a little bit more until you have you a handheld game. And so that's some of the things I've been researching now. And I found some systems out there. I was like, oh, we can put this together. This is something we could use in a course. And eventually I'm going to have my own system out, you know, but if someone has something already prepackaged, I'll use that now. Um, but eventually I, I would love to have like that type of curriculum. Oh, that would be incredible. I wish that had been around when I was, I mean, maybe it was and I didn't know. <laughs> well, that I wish it had been around for me too. I always uh, like bought my nieces and nephews those like radio, um, radio, radio shack, um, electronic kits. Oh, and yeah. remember those? And mm -hmm. uh, I remember they would play with them and they would build the stuff. And I was shocked at how quickly uh, one of my nephews, especially, could just pick it up. Uh, just so good at it. And I was like, wow, this kid has talent, you know? And I, I just feel if we can get them young and just nurture that talent, we can have a whole generation of engineers. And that's I love engineering. Oh, your face lights up when you talk about it. So yes, that's that's awesome. What, what would you say to someone who's interested in pursuing electrical engineering but might feel intimidated or maybe they, they struggle with, with math or, or they're worried? I cannot tell you my math scores, but I will tell you I was not the best at math. And I and I tell everybody this. I said, it's all about repetition. Two plus two will always be four. And if you're not the best at math, that's okay. Because all you have to do is keep doing it, do all the sample problems, do more examples, you know, ask your teachers for more examples. I'm telling you, you'll get it. Eventually something's going to click. And uh, I was never the best at math. Um, yeah, I, I wish I were. Uh, but I tell you what, my, my dad had told me, um, you just never let anyone outwork you. And that goes with schoolwork. You know, if they're smarter people, and there were always 
kids smarter than me. They picked it up much quicker than me. It was like they could see it one time and know it. I'm sitting there like reading my notes three and four times going to office hours. I just didn't pick it up as quickly. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to continue to work hard. And that's what I tell people. You can do it as long as you work hard for it. Don't give up. Don't never give, up. give up. Yeah. Never give up. And you'll, that, you'll, you'll do it. I've learned there are solutions to everything. Like there, there is a way to something. Uh, yeah. my I had a nephew and he was having trouble with algebra. And I was... I'm not, I'm not going to name any names, but I was like, man, what is this kid's problem? He could not get the X's and Y's together for no reason. So then I started working with him and I had him change X's and Y's to apples and oranges. And it was like, he was like, well, it's this many apples. It's that many oranges. And I was like, yeah. And he, and he totally got it. And then I changed it back to X's and Y's and he couldn't get it. But then I started, I was like, it's the same. Don't you? And he was like, what? And he finally got it. And when he got it, I was giving him practice tests and stuff. He started scoring like 95% on his practice tests. And I I was just like, because I was, I was like, what is going on? And what, you know, and, but it's he needed the apples and oranges and then you know when we started bringing z in there then you know i had to bring in like bananas you know but he got it and i think everyone learns differently and you just have to figure out how you can learn yes yes i i definitely had some teachers who intimidated me and they taught with fear and it made me dislike the subject. But then when I had a teacher who, who applied it in a way that made sense to me, like you did for your nephew, it was like, Oh, it clicks now. This Mm -hmm. makes sense. And everybody, I think it was Albert Einstein who said this, everybody's a genius, but if you teach, if you tell a fish or try to get a fish to climb a tree, it's going to spend its whole life thinking it's stupid. Oh, yeah, like we yeah. we all have different abilities and we have to bloom where we're planted and just we have another thing is like we also have to be in the right environment, I find. Yeah, definitely. As well. Yeah. That's a so very good up. point. I what I like about engineering or what I I just believe that there's an area for everyone. You know, as I said, I like the root cause analysis. There may be someone who else who likes uh, coding software, someone else who likes design. There's so many different areas, you know. There's the technician work where you're doing the hands-on. You know, it's like so many different areas. You can, you just choose your area and I think you're going to bloom. Like you said, you bloom where you're planted. I think everyone can bloom. And it's, and it's okay if, uh, something I've had to accept is like to be okay with who I am. Like, oh, you know, I'm not as strong in this particular skill set, but I'm really drawn to something else. Chase that. There's a calling almost, you know? Every job I take, I look at it. I was like, hmm, I like this 80% of it. I'm going (laughs) to focus on this 80%, that 20%. Let's see if we can automate it, you know, or or maybe someone else likes that. I mean, uh, let's give it to them. 
And so I always make a, I call it making the job mine, which means oh. focusing on the areas that I know I can excel in and I can improve on, you know, sometimes I still have to do some of that other 20%. Um, but I try not to make it a repetitive process. I try to, like I say, I try to automate it or I try to say, hey, is there a better way of doing this? Because this is like, it's wasting time and energy. And a lot of times people are like, yeah, I, I know a better way of doing it. You know, so it's just whatever you take on, just make it yours. Is you know. I love that because everybody has a gift. Everybody has something they can offer to the world. Absolutely. That's awesome. So where, where can people find you, Linda, if they want to see your collection and follow your journey? You know, I am on YouTube, I'm on Instagram, and I'm even doing a few things on TikTok. So you, it's not hard to find me. Uh, for Instagram, I think I'm uh, Watson Guillory. For YouTube, I'm under Linda Guillory. And for TikTok, I am Linda Guillory Gamer. Oh, so what are, what are some of your future plans in addition to that school? <laughs> oh my gosh in addition to that so um well i think uh, let's see oh i think that's probably the big one for me other than continuing to collect i'm um i'm just like searching i have a lot of games i'm searching for so i'm searching doing that i like to do the videos YouTube, I'm doing like a series where I'm fixing games because usually I fix the games pretty quickly. I don't, you know, uh, I never tape them. And someone said, Linda, I would love to see you take uh, fix games. I was like, what? Okay. So I started doing a little bit of that. But honestly, uh, whenever I fix them, I swear it takes me like four times as long when I'm trying to videotape <laughs> it. I was like, oh. I believe it. But uh, it's it's still fun. Um, yeah, what else? I, you know, I, I, I like to travel, so I plan on traveling. Uh, I belong to a BitWist club. If you've ever heard of it, it's a card game similar to Ooh. Spades, Euchre, Pinochle, all of those. I play those. Um, so those are just some of the things I'm interested in and I, I'll be doing. I want to say and that you are such an inspiration to me because you, you're like, okay, I want to do this thing and I'm just going to go after it. And you're so kind and gracious and enthusiastic. Oh, thank uh, that's, you. That, that means the world to me. Whenever I see you post something on Instagram and you're just like excited about it, like your, your face lights up or like you're, there's something, a you know, tone in your voice where there's joy in that inflection. I get so much joy from these games. Oh. I feel like... You know, people have forgotten about them. Once original Nintendo came out, and believe me, I love the original Nintendo. It's like people forgot that the handhelds ever existed. So mm -hmm. even though I'll talk about my Nintendo collection, um, I really love talking about the handhelds from like the late 1970s to the early uh, to the 1980s, actually. And even after that, you know, they built, I don't collect the 1990s. I collect them every now and then, but there's a ton of great games from the 1990s also. I think you're doing a big part to preserve history. Oh, 
That's what it was. I want to get these into a museum. Thank you yeah. for inviting me preserving history. Oh my gosh. Look, look, I'm like, I'm in your mind. You <laughs> are. You're there for real. Uh, oh my gosh. I um I definitely want to get these into a uh, museum. I just want to share them with uh, more people. Um yeah. I've 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 con I haven't contacted, but I've looked into a few so far. Um I think it'll be good. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I tell you what keeps stopping me. I was like, oh, let me just get these, a couple more of these, and then I'll do it, and then I'll do it. But, um, yeah, I, that's definitely a big part because I'm not going to be here always. Oh, so would that be something you have to do um, in, like, the near future and it would just kind of house your games or – um, you know, it, it depends. So I'm looking at like a museum f- for myself okay. where I would set up the museum. I'm also looking at like selling or donating. I, uh, and I say selling, selling always seems like the wrong thing to do for me because I was like, Hey, if you want them in a museum, why don't you donate it? So let me explain myself on the selling I have found out the hard way when you donate collections or games to museums, if there's something that they want more, they will sell your collection on eBay and then buy the things that they want more. So someone told me, and I read an article, if you really want your things displayed and you want it for the long run, you should sell it to a museum because museums don't buy things that they don't want. Huh. And so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think about that. Exactly. So I, cause I was like, to me, I tell people I never try to put a price on my games because it just takes the fun out of it. Um, so then when you say, but I'm, I want to sell it rather than donate it, you know, it's like, then maybe you are putting a price on it. It's not that. It's that it's just I want it to go to somewhere that really wants it. I don't want it to go to somewhere where they say, yeah, give me that. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to make some money off of it. You know, that's why um, I sell it. Yeah, you don't want to have somebody take advantage of you like that. It's not even taking advantage of me. It's for me, it's more like we didn't set up what we said we were gonna. If I mm. wanted this this for the long haul for someone to see, someone to come view, and now it's scattered because they sold it, you know, to all these different parties, then it's not there to view. Yeah, they're not selling the Mona Lisa anytime soon. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. And these are works of art. How did you know? Yeah, I do feel like some of these, like the box art and everything, is just amazing to me um, mm-hmm. on some of these games. It it truly is. I've, I've heard some people say, um, so I majored in English and a lot of people are like, what are you going to do with that? Or, you know, people who major in art, what are you going to do with that? But I think people would notice pretty quickly if writers and artists disappeared. I mean... It, <laughs> You take those designers and the storytelling elements for games and it all, it all works together like a machine, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. It is, uh, it's amazing. And that's one of the other things I really love. I love getting games from different countries and see the same game in the artwork. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, why did they choose this artwork for this country and this artwork, you know, and just comparing the two, it's pretty amazing though. I love that. Cultural differences. Cultural differences, right? Yeah, it it makes the world just so much more interesting. And and then it's like, oh, gosh, it even is reflected in my video games. Like, here's the Japanese version versus the US version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that. It's amazing just to think I was like, well, and then it's like, what was going on in the world that they chose this type of artwork, you know? Or mm-hmm. who, like, uh, if I look at, like, the basketball or the football games, I'm I'm like, oh, who were the stars at this time, you know, because that's who they're putting on there. Even if they didn't pay them for their likeness, you know, if you, you look closely or you look at some of the numbers, you can figure out who some of these people were, you know, and it's pretty cool. Especially with the sports games, Linda. Like, yeah. Uh, track, track and field, too. Um, I was listening to NES plays on YouTube, and he mentioned that depending on, like, what country you pick and the event, you're, you're actually playing as a person who competed in the 1988 Olympics. Oh, wow. I yeah. did not know that. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. That is that is a neat little detail that is kind of a nice way to preserve their accomplishments. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. Is, is there anything else you'd like to tell listeners or, or share? I, I like, I feel like we could have a five or 10 hour long interview, which is, which I love. honestly. <laughs> no, I love talking about games. As I say, anyone who asks me, I'm like, okay, sure. You know? Um, but nothing particular, as I say, I really, you know, thank you for um, contacting me. I, I appreciate it. As I say, anytime, someone wants to talk about games, I'm here. So I appreciate you asking. Oh, I'm going to be in contact with you again in the future. I'm sure when you break that next record. (laughs) The only other thing I can say is I believe 2023 is going to be a good year. I've done some interviews and uh, hopefully everyone can look out for those also. But once I'm allowed to say, I will try to advertise them on uh, Instagram at the very least. Yeah, I just can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, definitely follow Linda on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I mean, that's... And look up her articles, too. If, if you type in her name, you can find some really cool articles and videos. Oh, my gosh. University of Michigan. Remember I said I love them? So University of Michigan wrote two articles on me, and they were um, in, the, in their um, annual uh, magazine, and it was so amazing. Like on one, they uh, put my na- put me on the back cover, and they called me the video game goat. And I was like, video game goat. I was like, what? <laughs> Love them. And then on the other one, they called me the queen of consoles. So I was just like, that's why I have. I say, oh my gosh, I just love University of Michigan. Um, those guys were just so welcoming. Um, the alumni, you know. Co- my nephew contacted like university alumni and was like, Hey, this is my aunt. She did this. And they were like, yeah, we want to talk to her. So that was pretty cool. I'm so glad you're being recognized and celebrated and like for who you are and also to inspire other people. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, 
I can't believe how many girls have come and told me, you know, like, oh, I didn't have a role model then and all this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's for me, it's a little bit different because my sister, she played video games and I played video games. I knew my friends didn't play, but I thought it was just like more of a family type thing that they didn't play, you know. Um, but looking back now, like all the girls in our family always played. So uh, oh. I, I, for other people to tell me, oh my gosh, you know, it makes me feel good to see someone else. I'm like, I'm glad, you know, I wish I could be a role model. Uh, and I hope to be a role model to the people I talk to when I do the little career days and things, you know, if it's for engineering, if it's for video games, I don't care anything I can do to uh, represent. There are probably so many lives you've touched and in so many people you've inspired without even realizing it. I hope so. I hope so. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Linda. I, I'm so happy we could meet up and, you know, that I get to talk with you and I get to see your collection in the background and, and see your joy because mm -hmm. that that's why I love interviewing people. I, I do this for fun and I just love sharing people's stories because I don't know. There's just uh, so much cool stuff going on. Well, thank you for doing this because this is really awesome. I appreciate it. Oh, it's no problem. And thank you all for listening. And if you would like to listen to some other 1v1 interviews, you can go to bossrush.net. And you can also follow me, Celeste, on Twitter at FairyCrypt. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. Thanks, everybody. 1v1, the creator interview series, is a product of Boss Rush Media, LLC, and part of the Boss Rush Podcast Supplemental Podcast. This show is hosted by Celeste Roberts. You can also hear interviews from other Boss Rush Media members on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FairyCrypt. To get updates on the latest episodes, follow the Boss Rush Podcast, Boss Rush Media, Boss Rush Network on all major social media platforms, or subscribe to the Boss Rush podcast feed in your favorite podcast application. Join the Boss Rush Network Discord and Facebook groups to interact with other friends and fans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.